So this morning we continue in our series called Emotions, and we've been looking at different emotions that we all experience and learning how to handle them. The truth is this, how we express our emotions, it either helps or it hurts our relationships. Have you ever realized that? How we learn and express our emotions either helps or hurts our relationships. And this is especially true when it comes to family relationships. Since today is Family Dedication Sunday, we wanted to share with you a few ways to express the emotion of love. Everybody say love. Love. We want to express the emotion of love towards our children so that our family relationships strengthen and so that everyone can win at home. And today's going to be a little bit different where there's not just one speaker. There's going to be multiple speakers today. I'll do part of the message. Ken Eakers, one of our elders, is going to do part. His son, Joey, who is our next-gen student uh, pastor, he's going to do part of it. And then Bree's going to get back up with me, and we'll share some stuff as well. So I hope you're ready for that. We're excited about the message that God is going to share this morning. Like it or not, all of us are part of a family. So what would it look like to love our families well so that we all can win at home? That's the question we want to figure out. What would it look like to love our families well so that we can win at home? And as we figure this out together, look at this quote from Rita Pearson. She's a lifelong educator. She wrote, every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them who understands the power of connection and insists that they become the best they can possibly be. Now, what I love about that quote is that Rita used the word champion. She didn't use the word parent, opening it up to every single adult because it's understood every child deserves a parent, but she said every child deserves a champion, which means that you can be a champion whether you are a parent or not. That means this message is for everyone here. So that got me thinking about all the champions in our lives, those people who really encouraged us when we were young. They pushed us to be the best versions of ourselves. Maybe it was a neighbor who invested time in you, who encouraged you. Maybe it was a friend's parents. You were always over at their house, and that mom or that dad, they constantly fed you physically, but they also constantly fed you spiritually, and they prayed over you. Maybe it was a teacher who didn't give up on you. They gave you chance after chance to improve. Maybe it was a coach who encouraged you to keep going. You see, all of these people, they've made a huge impact in our lives. And if we want to be just as impactful, then it's important for us to understand how to love well so that we can win at home and how we can be a champion who raises a family of champions. I think the best place to start in scripture is Deuteronomy chapter six. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there with me now, Deuteronomy six. You can use your Bible apps on your phone or you can follow along on the screen. Here Moses gives the people of Israel great guidance on how to raise a family of champions. We'll begin in verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this passage in Hebrew, it's called the Shema. 
the Shema. And this was Moses' instruction to the family. It's how the family structure was built and it's how it sustained God's people throughout their entire captivity. And it was a long, long time. This worked because they obeyed God's instructions. Today is no different. You know, when you think about it, in a sense, we are living in a form of captivity today, but it's one much different. We are living and our kids are growing up in a captivity of sin, a captivity of a broken world, a place that does not know how to show or express love properly, one that does not obey God as its king nor Jesus as its Lord. And here's just a few consequences that might surprise you about this captivity our youth are growing up in and how it's affecting them. Adolescents today are growing up in a world where alcohol abuse begins as early as age 11 in boys and 13 in girls. And the average age a child is exposed to pornography is age 11. Depression continues to be a growing epidemic among teenagers. In fact, the second leading cause of death in teens is suicide. You see, this captivity, this brokenness, this despair, it is rampant among youth, and that includes the kids within church as well. They're not immune to any of it. And that's why this must change, and it must change today, which is exactly why adults who care about the future of the next generation must start being a champion for a child now. Whether you are a parent or not, this challenge is for you. The truth is we can all be a champion in a child's life. Would you say that with me, please? We can all be a champion in a child's life. Do you believe that? This front row does because they've heard it before. Well, if you don't believe it, we're going to convince you by the time that this message is over. We can all be a champion. I want to make something really clear. Even though we all can and should be a champion for a child or a teenager, champions do not replace the role of parents. They enhance the role of parents. The church leaders and uh, coaches, mentors, we are all champions, but we are secondary. Parents are the primary influencers. With that goal in mind, we want to share five ways how you and I can be a champion who wins at home and who learns how to love each other well. So the first way to do that is this. If you're taking notes in your outline, write this down. Fight for the heart of your family. Fight for the heart. And we all understand the heart's function, don't we? It pumps blood through all those arteries and capillaries and veins so that we stay alive. Now, if the heart stops beating, what happens? We die, right? Not a trick question. If the heart stops beating, we die. The same is true for the emotional and the spiritual heart of a child. It is critical that their heart is monitored regularly and that it's guided properly so that it stays healthy. In fact, Jesus wrote about this in Luke chapter 6. He said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, Jesus was addressing adults in that, in that crowd. But we have to understand, when does, uh, when does that adult begin having their heart filled? When they're young, when they're kids. That's why we have to pay attention 
to what they're taking in. That's why it's important for us to keep fighting for a heart that is pure so that good things can overflow and fill them up that are pleasing to God. And the best way to fight for the heart is to focus your own priorities on what matters most. So just stop and think for a moment about your priorities. You see, whatever it is that you spend your time and your talents and your treasure on, that is going to be directly viewed by the child or the teenager that you are trying to raise or to champion. What they believe is important to you becomes important to them. It's that whole monkey see, monkey do mentality. Also think about how often your kids or those who you champion see you spend time in God's word. How often do they see you on your knees in prayer? Can they look at your spiritual life and be challenged and encouraged? Will watching you help them grow spiritually? These are all questions, good questions, that we must ask ourselves if we want to fight for the heart of the family. And now Ken is going to come up and share our second way to be a champion. Hey, good morning. Um, second way. Yeah, so let's, um, our job as champions is really to focus in on what does the end look like? What does our child or teenager look like in the future? We have a, a verse here from Jeremiah. Um, for uh, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. A future. It's that future that we're just talking about that we should start looking towards. So I guess we all encourage everyone, right? We should to invest in your children, even as a champion. Plan for their future and pray for their details of their life kind of daily. That's kind of what we want to do. We should be speaking truth. Um, we should be pouring life and, and communicating hope in them as often as we can. The um, problem is today kids get bombarded with negative messages. And, and um Social media is kind of a, one of those places where they kind of get a lot of that message, if you will. It's not always good. I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are. If, if you're consistently getting bombarded with, you're not good enough. Um, you can't do that. You'll never be as good as fill in the blank. It kind of devalues their self-worth almost, right? And so... That's kind of the main culprit. I, I think Eric had mentioned it just a little bit ago. Second leading cause of suicide in our in our youth is is I'm sorry. Second leading cause of death is is suicide. These negative messages are, are cannot help. So we as parents and champions, we can help with that. Um, it's, I mean, right? You know this. Our kids are impressionable. And actually, words matter. So let's focus on that. Um, Hebrews, by the way, chapter 3, verse 13, says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's 
deceitfulness. See, it's easy to fall into the lies and traps of Satan, especially our younger ones. And so here's one way that we can help them to imagine the end. Communicate in a style that adds value to the relationship. So what we say, how we say it, how often we say it, and, 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 and to continue to repeat that message shapes their self-worth. We can make that difference through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So Heather and I tried to encourage our children and not discourage them, even when their focus in life was to become an NBA superstar. <laughs> True story. Okay. Um, that's correct. And um, I'll tell you another thing that um, my wife, and it's appropriate on Mother's Day to talk about this, I suspect a lot of moms and maybe even some dads would write notes to their children. My wife, Heather, she would write notes to her kids sometimes in their lunch bag because she would pack their lunch every morning, letting them know that, hey, I love you, Jesus loves you, and yes, on occasion, she would say, dad loves you because dad did not write those notes as much as mom did. And I know Bree did as too, for a fact, by the way, which is awesome. It's, um, and by the way, so that's something interesting, right? Writing a note it's not overly complicated, and so the encouragement to you maybe this week is if you have that opportunity to write a note to one of your, to one of your children, teenagers, and remind them, yes, I do love you, and yes, Jesus loves you. Good stuff. So um, I got to stand up here and say that sounds great, but I would be kind of remiss if I didn't say that things weren't always rosy, right? I mean, as children grow up, sometimes they don't always pay attention to you. They don't always listen. And so on occasion, um, I might have raised my voice on occasion. <laughs> and so the sad thing, though, is especially with our daughter, she's a middle child, and she would um, she'd shut down. She'd cry and shut down because she didn't like dad raising his voice. And I didn't like doing it. Um, and it's one of those things where you, you, you kind of like, why did I just do that? It's terrible, especially that, that, that reaction of, of your child. That's not encouraging. So um, lesson learned there as well. So I can also tell you that... Um, didn't always find the time to tell my kids as often as I wanted to that I love them and how proud I was of them, of the things that they are doing, especially in light of uh, their, their, their faith. Um, our son Joey, whom you will see here momentarily, I found out recently, like within the last year, that he didn't always feel loved. He didn't always feel accepted. And that led him down a path, if you will, of having terrible thoughts, which actually led to some actions that weren't so good. I'll remind you, his mother and I were not aware 
aware of this until, like I said, this past year. I am proud to say, however, today that Joey clearly recognizes that he is loved by Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray he knows how much his mom and dad love him today. That is for sure. To communicate in a style that adds value to a relationship. That message must be intentional. You should let your child know as a champion or as a parent that they are valued, they're loved, they're cared for and respected, not only by, by you, but also, most importantly, by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your words matter. They absolutely matter. So use them wisely. And now, we'll transition to Joey, who's going to be talking about widening the circle of your family. Hello. Okay. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I want to talk about widening the circle of your family, which kind of goes outside of the home um, because I'm not a parent and I don't know how to be a parent because I would be a terrible parent. <laughs> so I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> but uh, widening the circle of your family is essentially about pursuing positive relationships for your kids. Um, and this is huge because you could be the best parent in the world inside the home but if they had negative influences outside the home, then a lot of your work is going to get undone. And over and over again in Scripture, it reiterates two are better than one. Two are better than one. I mean, even from the very beginning, we see the story of creation. And he creates plants, and he says it's good. He creates light, he says it's good. He creates the ocean, he says it's good. He creates humans, he says it's very good. And then the first time God ever said something was not good is when he saw Adam sitting there and he was by himself. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. In Genesis 2, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. And, you know, be, me being the uh, immature high schooler I was, uh, I used this as a homecoming proposal. Um, and I <laughs> thought that was pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> it's not good for, for man to be alone. Help me out. <laughs> but it's much deeper than that. Because from the very start, God's, God saw man and said, man needs community. He needs relationship. And I know I'm not the only one who knows this, but the loneliest time or the loneliest thing in the world isn't necessarily being by yourself. It's being surrounded by the wrong people. And for times in my life, I was surrounded by the wrong people. I was surrounded by people that were pursuing worldly things, pursuing things that weren't going to last. And it had an effect on me. As my father just mentioned, I started to believe the lies that they told me. I started to get all my information from Instagram, which sometimes I'm, I still do. I mean, I look like a referee today because Instagram said it would look good. But, <laughs> but you start to see all these lies. And these negative relationships had a real effect on me. And I started to believe that, you know what, maybe people don't love me. Maybe I'm not enough. And, and you know what, maybe Jesus doesn't even love me because all the things that I do. And man, it was so hard when I would fight these spiritual battles, I was fighting them alone because no one around me was pursuing things of a spiritual nature, pursuing things of this world. As it says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three str strands is not quickly broken. Two is better than one. 
You see, it's very hard, as I mentioned, to fight spiritual battles when you're surrounded by people that are pursuing other things. And I didn't realize this until it was too late and I was down on my knees crying, lonely and miserable, believing all the lies of this world. And so what really turned it around is when I really started to become committed to attending Northside and more specifically attending the youth group and surrounding myself with, with students my age that were pursuing Christ. People like Zach Shaw and Ryan Block, some of you know them, and they're people that pushed me towards my purpose in Christ. They reminded me who I was in Jesus. They reminded me that Jesus loves me and that he has a purpose and a plan for my life. And guys, this wasn't only just something that helped me, it was life-saving. It was something where if, I, if, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be here on this stage talking to you today. It was life-saving. And so when I talk about pursuing positive relationships for those kids that you are either parenting or, or championing in your own life, it's not just a recommendation. It's not just a good idea. It's, it's essential. And so I'd encourage you to look at the kids in your life that, that you're having an influence on. Say, man, what, what kind of influence do they have outside of the house? Is it positive? Is it negative? Because from the very start, God created us to have positive relationships. Part of the reason he created this church. so That we could do life together because, man, it's really hard to fight spiritual battles on your own. So with that, we're gonna, I'm going to turn it over to Eric and Bree. They're going to talk about creating a rhythm for your family. Thanks, Joey. So we're going to talk about the point number four, creating a rhythm for your family. From experience, this has got to be the hardest one because our schedules are insane. From jobs, sports, band, dance, swim, cheer, community service, church. Everybody wants a part of you when it comes to time. And so, you know, I guess we all understand that there is not a perfect schedule. There's not a neat schedule that we can follow by, but we can try to create a rhythm for our family because it's so important. Yeah, and the best way that we can create a rhythm is to increase the quantity of quality time that we spend together. That's really the goal. Quality is the goal with our children and with the kids that we're trying to champion and to influence. Because the more quality time you spend with them, the stronger that bond and that relationship becomes. I want to show you a graph here. Uh, this is from the Orange Curriculum. This is something that uh, Bree and Joey both use. We've used it for years. It's fantastic. But this, uh, do, do we have that slide? This slide, Bree's going to break down, but really what it shows is the quality time that we have, it decreases greatly the older that our kids get. We don't have that? Oh, bummer. Okay. So, you still want to talk to me? We will send you an email this we'll week. We'll send with it, it to you. So you can see it. We'll send it to <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, we'll yeah. send it to you. So, when children are infants to pre-K, the parental influence is very high, while the outside relational influence is very low. On average, parents get to spend about 12 hours of quality time with their baby. And as the child gets older, what happens? The quality time decreases. With elementary kids, we're finding that that's where, right where we are. And going into middle school is about six to four. And sometimes even this week, I was thinking maybe a half an hour. <laughs> All right. And Eric's like, in the, on the way here, he's like, that's not true. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Because they can still be in the house, but not spending quality time. They're doing their together. own thing and they're separated from us. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. 
So, however, the more important the, the parental influence decreases, the higher the outside relational influence increases, just like what Joey's talking about. So we're already seeing this with our third and our fifth and our sixth grader. From friends to birthday parties to sports to church and to FaceTime with their friends, and a lot of times this happens right after school. And luckily, got one that still FaceTimes his mama. Uh, to video games. That's why it's so important to seek out godly mentors for your kids. Every family has a lot going on. However, we must create a rhythm for our kids. So that means if your child says they've had a bad day, you figure out what went wrong. Or if they say, hey, can you come outside and shoot hoops? You figure out a way to stop what you're doing and go outside and have fun. And I'll never forget how my parents never missed a sporting event that I was a part of. Their investment has helped shape how Eric and I now invest in our kids. So the bottom line is be present. Be present. Yeah, it was crazy. While we, Bree and I were sitting at our living room table and we were going over our notes uh, for this just last week. You know, iPhones will randomly pop up pictures from the past and they'll put memories on your phones. So as we were sitting at the table walking through this about how our parental influence is decreasing and the older they get, this picture pops up. This was eight years ago. We were at a park together. Oh, my word. We don't even have that picture. All right. So I don't know what's going on with that. But. It was a cute picture. Envision it in your head. Uh, our, so, so our daughter, Paley, was like bear hugging my neck, and she was four at the time. And then our Perrin was like, yeah, he was, so, he was just a little infant. He was, it was sunny day at the park. It was just a fantastic picture. You will enjoy it some other time. But um, what, I wouldn't, about, give, anyway, so what I wouldn't give to have my 12-year-old daughter now just bear hug me like that one more time. And it just hit me like, wow, okay, God, you're showing us that we have to be intentional, as Ken said, and we have to be present in our kids. So I would encourage you, increase that quantity of quality time you have with them. And then there's one more point that I want to share with you quickly. It's make faith personal as you lead your family. That's the fifth way that we can be a champion, make faith personal. And when you look back at Deuteronomy chapter 6, our key passage, Moses says, your, 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 your. Who's he talking to there? He's talking to the parents. He's talking to the adults. He says, you have to make sure that your relationship with me is secure and is good. And then you can impress them on your children. You can talk about them. You can write them. You can tie them. His point is simple. He says, I can't pour anything out of my cup if my own cup is empty. I can't teach my kids how to pray. I can't impress on them. I can't talk to. I can't write down for my kids what I don't have myself. It's not until I fill up my cup with Jesus that I can then pour Jesus out onto the child or to the teenager that I am trying to champion. That goes for parents, it goes for grandparents, for uncles, for aunts, for teachers, for coaches, for every single spiritual champion. So if you want to invest in a child's life or anyone else's for that matter, you must put yourself first when it comes to spiritual growth. Put yourself first. So that means you should be in the word. You should be on your knees in prayer. 
You should be following the lead of the Holy Spirit. You should be making disciples if you want to teach your kids how to make disciples. So please make faith personal by putting yourself first when it comes to spiritual growth. And if you need guidance on how to do that, there's a lot of resources we offer uh, just for spiritual growth. If you go to our website, northsideweb.org, click on that media page, there's uh, some Kingdom Habits videos. They're all about 15 minutes long. Uh, A couple years ago, the staff went through teaching what some of those spiritual disciplines are, how to study your Bible, how to pray, what does it mean to give, uh, what does it mean to have silence and solitude built into your relationship with God. So those are excellent. Also, parentq.org is a great resource for families, for parents. You can check that out as well. Uh, Lots of different stuff that we offer and that we want to encourage you. The ParentQ app. Uh, which is fantastic. You can get that on your phone. You can do devotions with your kids through that app. So it's excellent. You know, I want to say this. I can't end the message today without telling you two things. First, the greatest family of all time is God's family. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And here's why you and I get to be part of God's family, because the greatest champion this world has ever known is Jesus. It was his life. It was his death on the cross that gives us all the opportunity to be part of the family of God. And that's something you and I get to celebrate and remember every single week when we take communion. So go ahead and get your communion out, please. You know, when we eat this small piece of bread, when we drink this small cup of juice, What we are proclaiming is that Jesus is our champion. It was Jesus who died in our place. It was Jesus who separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. It was Jesus who covered us with his blood. It was Jesus and only Jesus who defeated death, who defeated sin, who defeated the grave, and who walked out of that tomb three days later. You and I get to be victorious because Jesus was victorious, and that is what this meal represents. That's what it symbolizes. So remember that right now as we take communion together. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your son, Jesus, for his life and his death. God, he did what we could not do. Father, he took the weight of the world's sin and he put it on his shoulders. God, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, but he did it out of love. Father, he showed us what it means to love one another. And so God, we just say thank you right now. Thank you for the life that we have through your son's blood. In Jesus' name, amen.
I just want to end by saying God loves you. He always has and he always will. He will never, ever let you down and he wants you to be part of his family. And the way that you join God's family is by placing your faith in Jesus. So if you need to make that decision today, if you've never made that decision, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to help you walk you through that. And you know, for the parents in the room or for the champions in the room, we've talked a lot about how to show love and how to be a champion. And maybe some things hit you today that you realize, man, I could do this better. Or I need some help in this. I need some prayer to be a better champion, to be a better parent. We just wanna invite you during this next song if you need prayer, we want to pray over you. Ken and Joey and Bree and myself, we're going to be up front. So if you have a decision to make, you can come now as we stand and as we sing.